0: Theological education should be affordable Seminary students should not have to take out Tens of thousands of dollars in student loans To train for the ministry At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary Our students pay a base of $75 per credit hour And a $375 per semester fee For more information on how you can receive Informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart Check out our website, cbtseminary.org Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I'm your host, Sam Waldron. I'm one of the pastors of Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, and the professor of systematic theology here at Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Last time we began to study the key biblical passage which undergirds the assertion of chapter 13 regarding the definitive sanctification of the believer. That passage is Romans 6, 1 to 11, and here is what it says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection." Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. The thrust of the passage is found in verse 2. Paul's answer to the the question, are we to continue in sin, is that it is not possible for a justified man to go on sinning. How shall we, who died to sin, still live in it? The word how implies the impossibility of a Christian still living in sin. The thesis of the passage is elaborated in verses 3 to 10. It is summarized in the words... We died to sin. Several questions must be answered about this dying to sin. And the first one is this. How do we die to sin? Well, we die to sin in the Lord Jesus dying to sin. We die to sin by union with Christ and his death to sin. This is the whole theme of the passage, verse 3, 4, 5, 6, 8. Baptism is mentioned in verse 3 because it is the symbol of our union with Christ initiated at conversion in his dying to sin. What does it mean to die to sin? That's the next question. Well, it does not mean that we die to the practice of sin. Christians still sin. And it cannot mean that we die to the practice of sin because Christ never Practice sin, but he died to sin, verses 8 to 10. Dying to sin affects our practice of sin, surely, but that is not what it is. It does mean, this is what it does mean, it means to die through the reign of sin. Christ was under the reign of sin, verse 9. Sin is here, and in this context, viewed as a king or a slave master, Compare also 5.21, 6.6, 6.9, 6.12, 6.14. We are no longer citizens in the kingdom of sin. How does Christ taking away the penalty of sin free us from sin's reign? Well, the answer is implied in 1 Corinthians 15.56, where we are taught that the power of sin is the law john brown clearly enunciates the connection here's what he says the christian scheme of spiritual transformation is the only one that meets or indeed even contemplates the difficulties of the case it begins at the beginning it makes provision for such a change in a man's relations as lays a solid foundation for a change in his character In reversing the sentence of condemnation, it unlocks the fetters of depravity, secures an influence to sanctify, superior in power to the influence either from within or from without to deprave, and provides suitable motives to induce the man to mortify sin and cultivate holiness. Guilt is the fetter, then, which keeps us in sin and separates us from God's sanctifying power. When do we die to sin? Well, we die to sin once for all at conversion. The aorist or past tense used in Romans 6-2, we died to sin, and verse 6, our old self was crucified, refers in this context to a completed past action. The relation of verses 10 and 11 required the thought as well. Verse 10 asserts that Jesus died to sin once for all verse 11 commands christians even so consider yourselves not to be dying to sin but to be dead to sin what is the result of dying to sin it is a new life of practical righteousness this is its inevitable result verses 4 to 6 17 and 18 22 and see also chapter 7 4 to 6 what is our practical duty as a result of dying to sin this is found in verse 11 now this is a difficult verse because it raises a number of questions if i have truly died to sin why do i need to reckon or count it so on the other hand if i have not died to sin how can it be counted so The command to reckon ourselves to be dead to sin is not positive thinking. Positive thinking teaches that by counting or reckoning ourselves to have died to sin, we can make it so. This command, however, is based on the reality that we have died to sin. This reality, however, is not a matter of sight. It is not so externally obvious that it does not need to be counted so. That we have died to sin is a matter of faith. Hence there is the necessity that we reckon it to be so. Paul exhorts the Roman believers to maintain such a believing attitude because it is a basic perspective for the pursuit of holiness in the Christian life.